world, and welcome to Shelly's Plumline. Truthful Talks on Tough Topics, hosted by Dr. Shelly Stewart. Today's episode features an interview from 1998 with the author of The Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black, Yvonne Willie. She and Shelly discuss the role of racial identity and self-worth, revealing that internalized racism is a learned behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you a living legend, a drum major for justice, and the oldest podcaster in the world, our host, Dr. Shelly Stewart. Good day to you. Maybe you're listening at night, so I'll say, well, hope you had a great day and having a great night. Welcome to Shelly's Plum Line. Today, now, the Plum Line, our past episodes, we've dealt with colorism, we've dealt with racism, we've dealt with all kind of isms. Well, but this one, I interviewed this couple, the lady and her son, back in the beginning of the 90s, 1992, 93, somewhere up in there. Anyway, I interviewed them, and uh, I went into the archives and listened to some of the content that we had. And I talked to our staff, said, look, we talked about colorism, but we never really heard from a child that did not want to be black. That's right. A child that didn't want to be black. When this was brought, first brought to my attention, and then through the years, since the 90s, I continue to hear it over and over and over again. I wish that I were lighter. I wish that my hair was thinner. Oh, I wish that what God gave you, what God made you is beautiful. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud or whatever it is, you know. Give me what I am. Be what I am. So today, this episode is incredible. The boy who did not want to be black. Yvonne, welcome to the Plum Line. So much about I, I know the author, I mean, I, I must say that. And as a matter of fact, when I first heard the name, I first heard the title of the book, and then they, I heard the name, I said, I know of a person in Birmingham by that same name. And uh, they said, the author is from Birmingham. I said, you're kidding. And I was talking to a representative uh, uh, from another city who writes and uh, does things. And uh, they said, this book, uh, 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 The Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black. Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black. They, there are a number of them who want to be black. They, there's one that calls me every day, I said. He's a grown man. He's a man. He calls me every day. Metropolitan Gordon, he calls me every day, every day. And as a matter of fact, yesterday, he said. I said, you want to be black? He said, I would do anything if I could be just white. If I, could, I would give anything to be white. And that's a grown man. We are just honored this morning to uh, have the author of this book, The Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black. How precious I welcome you, Mrs. Yvonne Willie. Good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning. How have you been? I have been overwhelmed by the 
response to my book. Did this surprise you? Shocking. It was shocking. Shocking. Tell us a little about yourself first, uh, Mrs. Willie. You know, periodically I may say, you know, you know, I may say, good morning, uh, Yvonne. I hope you do, Shelly. We were neighbors, remember. Yeah. Oh, don't tell everybody <laughs> everything, Yvonne. I mean, you know, I was trying to be in all, you know, stuff shirtish, you know, and but I know you. Tell us about yourself. You are from? I was born in Bermuda, and I was... When I married uh, Lewis Willie, we ended up here in Birmingham, which I wasn't very happy to do, but it has turned out to be the greatest step that uh, we ever made. Yeah, you know, I think you came to Birmingham or in the 50s, maybe 50... 52. 52, 53. I know your first home here. Yeah, over in Tittlesville. That was my second, second home. Second home, yeah. That's right. my second place. We lived too. in an apartment in a Sipco at first. Oh, you you didn't live in a Sipco. I sure did. There oh. was a shock coming from an academic community in Nashville. Yeah. To here. To Birmingham in 1952. Yes. Yeah, I moved into an apartment then over in Tittlesville. I'm knowing you. You've done you, your husband and I. We've been knowing each other certainly ever since you both have well arrived to this in the city and. Right. And um, he's done well. How's he done, by the way? He's doing fine. He's retired and uh, able to do almost anything he wants to do. Jogging? Uh, no, he's got a little asthma, so he uh, does a little walking on the treadmill, and he plays golf when the weather is nice. Yeah, can he hit golf balls, really? He can hit them. He's hit a hole. That's what he says. I've heard about his golf. I've, you know, I've heard about your husband's golf. I'm, but anyway, sweetheart, I'm proud to have you. I've got to get into this book because Thank this you. is so intriguing to me. The boy who didn't want to be black. I, me, I, do you want to do a little read or do you want me to do a little read here out of this? Would you, you like, can read. You know, you want me to do it? Sure. Would you like to do it? I don't usually read it. I tell the story, so okay. it's more... I, I'm going to do this. I, I've okay. got to do this. First, this first bit grabbed me. Grandma, did you know all blacks are bad? Asked five-year-old Cleo as soon as he got into the car one warm afternoon. She was so surprised by his question, she could hardly keep her mind on traffic as she pulled away from the curb in front of the school. No, I didn't, replied his grandma. Who told you that? Jenny said, Cleo, she's in my class. They soon entered the freeway where she had to watch uh, for fast-moving cars. But even after the traffic cleared, she took another minute to think of the best way to handle this matter. Now, I'm going to stop there because handle this matter. What prompted you to write a book, The Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black, Yvonne Willie? The very fact that he told me all blacks are bad. I had to deal with that. And... As the story moves on, you'll see how he dealt with it. And I had to write it for his sake, my sake, for blacks to find out that uh, as the book moves on, it tells you that God made everybody, black, white, yellow. And it's up to us to act how, for each person to act how he or she wishes. We're all free to do that. This is your grandson. This is my grandson. Oh, <laughs> I see. So this is something true. This is true. Partly true. Partly true. Partly true. The boy who didn't want to be black. I've got to. Why didn't he want to be black? Because he heard that all blacks are bad. 
Who told him this now? Giddy? One of his classmates, right. It, all the names in there are fictional, but it's based on truth. Yeah, and, and the, the kid in school told him she was white or he was white? She was white. She said, and she knew he was black? Yes. And she said, all blacks are bad. Right. So he felt himself as being bad. Well, he didn't know he was black. He hadn't thought about race at four years old. Uh-oh. It hadn't come up before. But how old was his classmate, I wonder? The same age. But someone had told that other four-year-old right. that uh, he or she was white. Evidently. And that all blacks were bad. Right. And your grandson didn't know whether he was black or white because you had not, your, 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 your children had not told their child right. whether he was black or white. Right. So he didn't look at race at that point. A- absolutely. So four years old, he was wondering who's black, huh? That's right. He began to do that for the next year almost, looking at everybody based on what she had said, that if the person acted bad, he must have been black. If he acted good, he must have been white. Until, as the story evolves, he realizes that that's not necessarily true. I helped him realize it, and so did his parents, as we moved along without just making a statement. We showed him through actions of other people. And Go ahead. Well, from time to time, uh, some funny things happen in there, too. They're not all sad. But at a birthday party, uh, one of his classmates threw some ice cream in his face. And so he said, well, Grandma, is that person black? And I knew that boy, and I said, no, that person is white. And a little later on, a child kicks him, and he says, Grandma, is that person black? Well, that person happened to have been black. So he's beginning to see that some white people are good, some white people are bad, some blacks are good, some blacks are bad. And he learns that, as I've pointed out, that God made everybody, whatever your color, and it's up to the person to act. He's free to act, good or bad. This is race. That's race. It's, it's, it, and no matter where, where, how you put it, it's race. That's right. I wonder how maybe the, the kid's parents who told your grandson that... Uh, all blacks were bad, okay? His mother and father were told that possibly, and his mother and his mother's mother and father were told that, and they just believed that I possibly. That's was. probably so. I have no real knowledge as to where this little girl and boss got it from. How's your grandson now, by the way? Did, did you really help this kid? You mean your, your grandson. My, my grandson? Oh, between his parents and my husband and I, we certainly have. He's certainly a very secure child. He was interviewed by a local newspaper at the same time I was to promote this story. And he was asked how did he feel when he found out that uh, he was black And as the story shows, when he was about five, his granddaddy spoke to his class um, at the school that he was attending. And his granddaddy spoke to him about Martin Luther King when he came to Birmingham. 
and how Martin Luther King got the young people and the older people to march around the city of Birmingham to show that we were tired of being treated as second-class citizens. And when he heard his granddaddy talk about the good things that Martin Luther King did, he went to his granddaddy and hugged him and said, Granddaddy, I am proud to be black like you and Dr. King. Oh, come on, what a story. It's proud a to be story. black. Proud to be black. Did you hear me earlier uh, during the monologue? I said there was a, a, an adult man who openly say every day, I don't want to be black. Right. Yvonne Willie, do you realize that there are thousands and thousands and possibly millions of black people who don't want to be black? I didn't know that until I heard you say it. Dear, did you realize there are people who have become maybe 60 years of age and said, if I had only been white? Well, they didn't know what they were talking about. They feel that way in their heart, sweetheart. They feel that if I'm white, I'm better. If I'm white, I, I can get things done in my life. I'm black, I can't. I'm less than. I'm surprised because I thought that with the Martin Luther King uh, beginnings where we were introduced to being proud to be black, I had hoped that that sentence would have pushed people to understand that it's okay to be whatever race you are, but it is up to you to succeed or to fail. But, you know, this song that I open my show with each morning, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Hmm. Yvonne Willie, I receive call after call and say, it's time to stop playing that. That was okay in its day, but now to play a record, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, it's outdated. I'm being told that by African Americans more so than whites, that that tune, James Brown, really should not be played. Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. So if adults are saying it, then why wouldn't your grandson, your grandson, the boy who didn't want to be black, why shouldn't he feel that way? I'm going to talk to your son, which is the father, I believe. Is that the father of that, that boy in just a minute? But do you understand what I'm saying here now? I do. In 1998, I can understand truthfully, and I mean, you know, I'm being honest with you. I hear it so often on this program. I did television, and I, I did a program there where there were those who did not want to be black. Said if, if I would be, if I were white, I wish that I were white. So then your four or five-year-old grandson, possibly right, not because the white girl told him that blacks were bad, but blacks themselves tell their own children that they're less than. The Boy Who Didn't Want to Be Black by Yvonne Willie. As I do this, and this is, says it all, a touching story of a young boy's reaction to a classmate's statement that all blacks are bad. When he finds out that his grandfather and his father are both black, he's stunned. He's even more shocked to discover that his mother is white. Never had the concept of racial identity even entered his mind. Then he must cope with friends and classmates as they express diverse feelings about race. Who is white? Who is black? Is one race better than the other? Hmm? That question's out there with us all this morning as we discuss the boy who didn't want to be black. And I carried it a little further because I, 
I tell it. I may not tell you what you say, what you, what I think you want to hear. Many times, Yvonne. Many times, Lou. I mean, I'd say that, uh, you know, what you really want to hear. But these things you really need to know because they're happening every day. There are African Americans who tell their children that they are less than. You are. Tr- Listen to this. Listen to this now. Listen to this, Yvonne. Here are adults who will say, and you've heard it in your life, you're trying to act white. If a person speaks in a manner, you know, with English, or you're trying to talk white, hmm? or if you see them eat, or, or you're trying to eat like you are white, hmm? if, if, they, if they mow their lawns, plant flowers, you know, do you know? Keep the place clean. Oh, you're trying to act like white folk. Hmm? If they, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this happens, people. So I'm going to tell you this happens, and it's not coming from Mountain Brook. It's coming from us in our own communities. So it's this little kid. No wonder this kid is being told by whites that whites are, that blacks are bad. And the kid is, blacks are telling the kid he's less than, he's bad. So, well, the boy who didn't want to be black, is it about, hmm? who, who does this? Are we doing it to ourselves, black, white? What are we doing to ourselves, Lou? Good morning, Lou. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having us here, Shelley. I'm so proud to have your mother here this morning. Man. Well, I can tell you the whole family is very proud of her for writing this book. How did you feel when you first writing about your son? I mean, you, Mama, don't do that. No, I was excited about it because I think it tells a very good story and and teaches a good lesson about the value of human beings. And that's really what it all boils down to, whether you're black, white, uh, Asian, uh, American Indian, whatever. We're all God's children, and we're all just as good as the other. And we are all individuals. And uh, as my mother said previously, it's up to you to make yourself a success or a failure. But that is not uh, hinged on what race you are. Is it not really? No, it's not. I'm told that every day. And I hear that quite often uh, and on your show as, as well as other places. But uh, I don't believe that. Uh, honestly and deeply in my heart, I don't believe that you are hindered or that you are uh, handicapped by your race. If you allow yourself to be, it will be a factor. How is your son coping with this now, all of this fame? Oh, he loves it. Uh, he is at an, an age in early, uh, I guess, sort of mid-adolescence that uh, any notoriety will help him on the social scene. So he, he is... Uh, I imagine. <laughs> he's enjoying the notoriety. And how old is he now? He's 17, almost 18. 17 years of age, and boy, I can imagine now he's walking around with his chest out. Uh, That's me, huh? Yes. That's me. He's excited about it. Yeah. Uh, Will he really admit that he, did he recall the time that he didn't want to be? Oh, yes. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it was a very emotional period of time uh, because in our household, the concept of, of racial identity was not something that we concentrated on. We are people. And we in our household treated everyone else as people. And there were good people and there were bad people, but they were not classified necessarily on the basis of race because we had associates and friends uh, that were both white and black, as well as uh, Filipino and, and other nationalities. So 
uh, he was in a very diverse culture. Did you teach your son about African culture? Did you teach your son about um, African, Africa, your grandson about African culture at all? Did you talk to him about African culture at all in the younger years? Oh, yeah. Either one of you? Yes. We talked to him about every phase of life. And when he was about four, my husband and I were very deeply involved in the Nigerian festival. Yes. And he loved to be a part of it. In fact, he and his daddy modeled African clothes during a luncheon at the time of the festival. So he has been very, very involved in, in culture, period. What's so important about this? I, I have some things there. But, Lou, what is so important about this, that we bring this book to the, today? What's so important? Why is this book receiving such a raise? Because of what, what right now? Well, I think it's important right now because of people like Metropolitan Gardens and others who express a contempt for their own identity. And if a young child can come to grips with his own racial identity and realize that there are reasons to be not only proud, but very proud of who he is and his heritage and the people who are like him, then I think it uh, speaks to these adults who still today question their own identities. One of the first things that we received yesterday morning by phone when they had the incident in, in um, Jonesboro, Arkansas took place, there were calls saying, were they white or were they black? Were they white boys or black boys who did the shooting? Mm -hmm. Were the white girls, white boys, white men, white women that was killed? Now, was that important? Should that have been important, whether it's white or black? Not to me. It should have been important only as far as why this happened. Not who did it, but why this happened. What is happening to our world, not just any particular state. It's really frightening what's going on today. Are you ashamed of yourself, Lou, of your complexion? Are you ashamed of your complexion? Absolutely not. Are you ashamed of your culture at all? No, not at all. I'm, I'm excited about it. The boy who didn't want to be black, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, where do we find it in our communities? Where we find it, whether it's uh, in Mountain Brook, Hoover, Vestavia, West End, Asipco, Collegeville, Inslee, Pratt City, Bessemer, wherever, uh, Chicago, California. Does not make any difference. We're going to discuss it. And it's a must-read book, ladies and gentlemen. And um, the boy who did not, well, who didn't, didn't want to be black. It's by Yvonne Willie. It's, it's one that should be in every home no matter where, yes. I need to tell you that uh, how successful this book has been. Would you do so? I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to come back in five minutes. We're going to find out the Over and over again, I have said this not only on the radio broadcasts, but on stages throughout the United States of America. And as a matter of fact, I recall being in South Africa and said the same thing there because I was there. They invited me there to speak in South Africa a few years back. I said it in Florida. I said it in the Bahamas. I've said it everywhere. That colorism, yes, colorism is just as dangerous as racism. As a matter of fact, 
I think it's a good time for me to quote a comment made by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe you want to write this one down if you never heard it. Here's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. Racism is a sickness unto death. And colorism is nothing but leads to racism. You cannot separate the whole from the donut. No, you can't. So, I think education, that is why we ran this episode today. And here's what Martin Luther King Jr. also said. The truth of education is teach one to think intensively and to think critically, intelligence plus character. That is the goal of true education. So, this program hopefully was not only about the boy who didn't want to be black, but educating us all and one another that we can do it together. Yes, there's your side, there's my side, and somewhere in the middle, there is the truth. Thank you, and see you next time on Shelly's Plumline. This episode of Shelley's Plumbline was written, produced, and edited by Dr. Shelley Stewart, Corlette Stewart Burns, and Mark Jamraz. It was produced by Stewart Production at the Plumbline Studios in Sterrett, Alabama. The podcast was introduced by Mark Jamraz and Corlette Stewart Burns. If you are a fan of Shelley's Plumbline, please remember to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss any episodes. Learn more about this week's podcast and see photos, articles, and artifacts of Dr. Shelley Stewart's amazing journey through life at Shelley'sPlumline.com. Follow us and continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you like what we're doing here, please give us a review and share this podcast with others. This is Mark Jamraz. We'll see you next week. Keep sharing the love and we'll all grow stronger.